What are you jamming or rapping? I'm, I'm just stuck in loop, in loop, in loop, loop in loop, loop, in loop. That sounds like loop delay, delay, delay. Yeah, so when we were preparing for this one, uh, we, we were preparing for it. Okay, uh, when we were trying to prepare for this one, uh, in I'm the last five minutes or so, <laughs> we were listening to uh, old style uh, 80s and 70s, and I was just uh, thinking about Cabaret Voltaire and what they did to the electronic music. So I'm stuck in a loop. That's okay. While you were doing that, I was uh, half still uh, digesting the apple pie and a little bit of coffee that we had. He only had coffee, which means that he's going to be crazy as a squirrel today. Yes, thank you for that. Anyways, uh, your, your topic, your intro, your topic, your intro, uh, which you already masterfully half, half did. Yes. <laughs> That's so good. Okay. Continuation of the topic. Uh, so in the past two episodes, we've talked about how to make a selection between the, uh, let's say desktop or laptop. And then in the last episode, we discussed various, uh, let's say, uh, mechanisms that we could use to decide which laptop to use. And we recommended some of them. So logically speaking, and actually this was your idea, you, know, uh, you, you recommended or suggested the trifecta of topics. Uh, in the continuation of uh, the previous two episodes, today we are talking about desktops. Specifically, we're going to go a little bit to the history of the desktops that we used, and we're going to talk about some of the available options nowadays on the market so that you guys can have a little bit of an easier time finding your own, let's say, preferred uh, components for your desktop computers. So let's roll the intro and let's get the party rolling. Okay, monsieur. What's up? So, in my usual uh, now legendary style, I think we are going to start with this one. This is a tidy portfolio. I had that one. Yes, I was just planning on buying one. I also had that you one. You should. It's it's so you. Yes, I know. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to say is that uh, Atari portfolio was a computer from 1989. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I think this computer is a good start to when we need to talk about the PCs and the desktops. Because okay. these, these are the times where the PCs themselves and the Atari portfolio weren't that much uh, different. Okay. Uh, because the only thing that you could run on those were was DOS. Mm -hmm. CPM was dead then. Uh, you had DOS uh, in its most um, basic version without uh, the quasi multi-threading and multitasking uh, hasn't arrived yet to those machines so you could use uh, you couldn't use something that uh, is going to do more than one thing at once so atari was something that was resembling a normal desktop machine mm -hmm. and i think the reason why i wanted to mention this is that the when we are talking about the uh, machines today and we are talking about laptops desktops and so on uh, we specifically know the difference because mm -hmm. there, there is a huge difference between uh, those two types of machines. There is a huge difference in uh, performance. There's a huge difference in uh, 
first first and foremost the way the machine is powered portability uh, portability and so on and so on and so on mm -hmm. back way then the difference wasn't that big because mm -hmm. the crts were the only screens that you were that were available on the desktops mm -hmm. uh, basically the only thing that you had to do uh, that you had when you wanted to display something was uh, text uh you could theoretically uh, this is the time when uh, hercules and cga graphics uh, came in but the thing is that uh, what uh, made the thing work was that your machine had a simple task to do it was just one task it could be word processing mm -hmm. it was usually something connected to the to the business mm -hmm. and all of those were theoretically possible on something like Atari portfolio. Now let's switch. Did you have that? Yes. At that time? Yes. And you didn't consider it to be uh, just a gimmick and utterly useless? It wasn't that, that useless because it wasn't that uh, different what, what you could do on a PC if you were an, a regular user. It was a gimmick, yes. Mm -hmm. uh, it had amazing, uh, amazing uh, autonomy. Because it was running on double A batteries, if I remember Something correctly. Something like that, yeah. Something like that. So it had some kind of a very weird adapter. Yes, and it wasn't it wasn't powered, but uh, you couldn't uh, charge it. Mm -hmm. You needed to get rechargeable batteries separately. And this one was as close to the desktop as possible, and by, while at the same time being portable and being something that they uh, called at that time, they called it a personal assistant. So this was the time before the uh, different uh, IPEX, uh, PDAs, um, uh, Palms, Palms, Newtons, and so on. I think this was the uh, this is the, uh, practically uh, when the Newton came out, the first Newton, uh, the Apple Apple one. Okay, two things. Yes. First and foremost, uh, this machine, if I remember correctly, was crazy expensive. Yes. It was insanely expensive for it what it was. It says right now here that the equivalent number, uh, the equivalent uh, price is. $940 in uh, ye yesteryear's money. So something, something like $1,000 for something that was basically half usable as a computer. Yeah. The second thing that I distinctly remember about this machine as well is that this was um, at the time, and you actually touched on that subject by accident. You don't know this about me. Uh, at that point in time, I was a serial digital organizer buyer. I don't need to know this thing about you <laughs> yeah, because you I, still remained a serial organizer, but you're, you're now you're not buying, you're just trying out things. Yes, but uh, back then I had probably, uh, in the years prior to this one, I probably bought close to 10 or 15 different types of Casios and whatnot, whatnot in terms of the digital organizer. So you kind of reminded me of that. I've completely forgot about this. I was, I was always, uh, uh, let's say, uh, digital man in a sense uh, i was heavily into watches and digital assistants like this and hence the reason why when uh, i started using the uh, the laptops many many years later i've never looked back that's actually a part of the reason uh, that i should have mentioned in the previous episode in a way uh, that's probably one of the reasons why i'm so heavily into laptops so that's a very very good uh, let's say a starting point for our discussion realistically speaking Yes, and this is the reason why uh, why I got it out because we didn't uh, plan on this. No, uh, complete surprise. 
so uh, at the same time, I just looked up, uh, there is a Pocket PC, mm-hmm. uh, spelled P-O-Q-E-T. Uh, mm-hmm. And this was, this one was $2,000 at that time, oh, while the uh, portfolio was 399 So this is something like four and a half thousand dollars in today's money so basically uh apple uh, macbook pro uh higher end configuration type of money i can see that there are a couple of them on ebay for less than 200 euros yes do you really want one no not right now why not because we are filming the uh we'll talk about it yeah. we'll talk about it because i have a reason why i didn't buy one i was this close to clipping clicking on uh by now mm-hmm. but i have a I have another idea. I need to uh, work on it, and then uh, we'll we'll sort it out. Okay. I'm I'm saving for uh, for something that is going to be even more uh, different uh, than what we actually uh, want to uh, do. Okay. Anyways, uh, this was the the intro. Now, what should we do about the things that? Ah, let me move. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because he's trying to, he's trying to uh, Mimic. make me move uh, in a in a in a way that is inconspicuous, and I decided, decided okay, okay, screw it, let's just move. And we're going to introduce uh, some kind of a, let's say light signals. We're going to have a, a screen right there on the wall, and it's going to tell you move forward, move backward, left, right, something. What we need to do is an episode on how the studio looks like. We'll be- do that in the future because because the uh, behind the scenes is amazing when it comes to our studio, since the studio itself is a shoebox size, but it works. Yes. Uh, anyway, it's, it's my shoebox. I love it. Yes. So uh, yes. Okay. In anyway, uh, let's switch over to the comparable PCs in 1989 because I think that we should be starting from the middle. Can I? Uh, th- that's okay. Can I just interject with short thing? Before yes. That? I only had one PC before that. Okay. Which was Commodore PC 10 Free XT. So my introduction to the PC world was that computer with two 525-inch drives and, I don't know, 640K memory, the good old days, a 20 megabyte hard disk, I think. And I started with MS-DOS 330 and then went to 622 after that. So that was my introduction to PCs. I remember that machine. I actually have it somewhere in the basement or whatnot. It's still working. It was heavy as hell. And I had it with... Do you remember those amber screens, the L ones? Yes, 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 yes. Because VGA was not a thing and color screens were not a thing yet, a couple of years later. It was an XT. And the, the let's say the, the, the biggest joy that I got out of that computer was playing Tetris and Nibbles. Uh, <laughs> yes, I my first PC was, uh, I got it even earlier than that. Uh, by stroke of luck, uh, what happened is that uh, the university games were uh, held in Zagreb in 1987. I was a part of the opening ceremony of that, uh, if okay. you remember, on our yes, 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 yes stadium. Yes. And uh, what I managed to do is that they had uh, um, XT PCs that were doing uh, that were used for data entry for the results. Mm-hmm. And they were using them as the workstations. Mm-hmm. And after the event, uh, I got one of those. You lucky man. Yes, it because was, the, it, the amount of money that that yes, Commodore I know, cost. I know, I know, it I know, was I know. a yearly salary or something like that. Uh, yes, and the other thing was that this PC was something that I honestly haven't seen since, because it is called the Hero. 
It was a, it was a Japanese or I remember that. Yes, and the other thing was that uh, it was NXT, mm -hmm. and it was completely modular. Mm -hmm. uh, by modular, I mean that uh, you had a separate uh, case that is holding the power supply. Mm -hmm. Then you had a separate case for the disks, separate case for the CPU, separate case for the memory, and separate case for the floppies. And then you could connect the modules to themselves. No, this is one of the models, but this this was not the actual PC that we are talking okay. about. Uh, the thing about this thing was that it was as an introduction to uh, PC. It looked amazing mm -hmm. because it was mimicking the uh, mainframes of the of the of the, 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 the era. Mm -hmm. You had a separate disks in a separate uh, in a separate case that you could uh, you could open and so on. So this was a thing that you could use. The configuration that we got was the most basic one. So no hard disk, uh, just a double floppy, because this is usually uh, this was the th thing. This is the thing back way then. One one floppy was used for the boot uh, procedure and to uh, get the system running, and the other one was used to store the data or whatever yeah. you wanted to do on a 360k floppy. That was the <laughs> the normal oh, the, back, back, back way then. I think that even the drives back way then were single-sided, if I'm not correct, if I'm not... Yes, uh, they were. And, and the hard disks were, you know, bolted to the controller. Uh, and they were half a meter long. You remember those days? Yes, 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 yes. And the other is. thing was that uh, the drives uh, were something that you could actually... And I had a friend that, that did this. The drives were so big that you could actually open one and clean it, and mm -hmm. then then close it up, and then it would uh, get get working again. Yeah. So this was this was the, a different era when it comes to electronics. Yes. Almost everything was discrete. The amount of uh, power required just to power this thing up was uh, enormous. Yeah. And but it was a fun machine to start with. It was yeah, just like uh, my Commodore. Uh, I had a, I didn't have the amber screen. I had the green screen with the first one. Mm -hmm. uh, and the first game that I got was Ellicat by IBM. I actually remember uh, that. Uh, the, that game was legendary. You can still play it, but the problem is that uh, the game itself was uh, directly, the speed of the game mm -hmm. was directly related to the clock speed. Because what they did is remember? that... Remember? Uh, Control D, S, Yes, D. yes, yes, yes. So what they, had, they, what they did was that um, uh, since the uh, processors were basically the single single processor 8088 that was uh, the standard back way, uh, way back then uh, you could expect the speed that is going to be stable mm -hmm. and you expect that the speed is going to be a standard so they were just uh, doing everything by the clock mm -hmm. and this created a big problem because as soon as the new processors came to the market uh, the game was completely unplayable. unplayable because it was running so quickly that you couldn't do it anything. Absolutely correct. I remember those days very well. Actually, to that point, the games that I played on this one, yes, Tetris, for example, if I started on the lowest speed, which I started with at first, it was playable. Then it took me quite a while to get a hang of the game. Then I switched because you had keyboard combinations to speed up the processor, slow it down three of them. The, the 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 fastest one is I think 9.54 megahertz or something like that. Uh, at at the beginning of my journey uh, with PCs, that was already unplayably fast, and it was actually something that was visible in other games too. Yes. And if I took the same game to 286, my friend got one a couple of years afterwards. It was 
Formula One unplayable. It was super, super uh, You can actually try the, the LA Cat itself is uh, a Banderware, so you can, you can try it. If you run on it in a emulator today, mm -hmm. what you're going to end up with is going to be a blip on the screen. Yeah. Because it is going to end, itse end itself immediately, basically. Yeah. And, and when, I, when I think about those first computers, actually, and I was actually thinking about this today, when uh, before the episode, and uh, I was trying to find some pictures of the, these old PCs that I used to have, and uh, there is a web page with Commodore uh, images, which I'm actually displaying right now. Uh, this is also something that was obviously hard-coded in my brain. You can see it. It yes. has a computer with many ports and many options. And this is something that's going to be a reoccurring theme, just like in the episode of the laptop. And I think this this may be the reason why you are so heavily into ports and uh, yes. uh, basically uh, trying to uh, rate a, compu a computer or grade a computer based on the number of ports it has. It's about expendability, but yes. Yes, yes. So uh now we came to the we came to the uh, somewhere around the end of the 80s beginning, beginning of the 90s, 90s yeah and uh what i got i had a friend a good friend of mine back then who had a uh 82 uh, machine same and uh the thing that i still remember and th that i sorely miss is the sound of the seagate 225 uh mfm drive because it had a soft click. No, it wasn't a click. It was different sounds because the uh, speed of the head when the well the head was moving. Oh, I remember. Was uh, different based yeah. on what the, uh, the head was doing. So the frequency of the sound it made was different. Yeah. And it made a soft sound that you actually mm, can hear. There are some uh, videos. Simply because the ST two two five was so so uh, peculiar when it comes to the sound it made, it is it was an extremely slow drive, but it was a hard drive. So suddenly you could actually have a game on drive. You didn't need to boot from the uh, from the disc uh, diskette or, or uh, floppy, or floppy. Mm -hmm. and suddenly you could do something. Uh, suddenly you could uh, also this one uh, had a Hercules card mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. you had some sort of kind of graphics uh, it was uh, obviously a three color mm -hmm. so two intensities and uh, two intensities and one uh, one bit color so either on off or uh, brighter on mm -hmm. and the thing was that the things that you could play on those were really good games. Yeah. I I know that back way then we had a test drive. Yeah. Uh, you could play games that were actually uh, resembling something. There was even a flight simulator available for it because it. The, the 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 flight simulator first one came for the 286. Yeah. And then it got upgraded when 386 uh, came in and uh, the more memory was uh, became possible because 286 had basically two big problems one was that it wasn't uh 32 bit it was 16 bit only and the other thing was that uh, it wasn't available uh, it was it wasn't able to uh, address anything other than 640k or it was able to address a megabyte of ram but it needed to do tricks so the paging and everything else yeah, i remember three things about the 286 generation Again, I didn't never had one. This this was something that my friend had. We used to play it a lot. I remember the CGA graphics, 
that it had. I remember uh, also two games. One of them was basketball and one of them was hockey. A Canadian-style okay. hockey of the 80s in which you could slug everybody yes. on the court and have fights and whatnot. Those are the only three things that I remember about that computer. I never had a 286 or a 386. But at the same time, while uh, I was waiting for some kind of future upgrade, Uh, because this is the time when I went from primary to secondary school. You're you're a couple of years older than me, so it happened a little bit earlier for you, or let's say later in the yes. let's say education uh, part of your life. Um, uh, while that was happening, I was heavily into uh, the magazines of the year, just like you. But most of my time back then, I actually did not play a PC, although I had XT all the way to uh, until I started college. Uh, the the first new computer I got after that was. First, at the end of first year of college, which was 46, we're going to talk about that a little bit later. Most of the games that I played back the, uh, uh, since my um, so first year high school till fourth one was actually C64 at my friend's house and the 286 at my other friend's house. I had, I had way back then, I had uh, at home, I had that XT. Mm -hmm. Then we got rid of it because it was basically a loner since uh, it was something that was uh, as i said it was a machine that was uh, bought and uh, used on the university games so we had to get it back and then uh, i was using uh, the zx spectrum mm -hmm. uh, at home and i wasn't that interested in games back by then i uh, was for for uh, different reasons when i was doing games in the elementary school uh, we more or less uh, went to somebody's house and then play uh, played games or there. Or park. Or uh, no, I wasn't. I wasn't. Uh, I was uh, super into that. No, no, no. We, we were we were visiting each other and know that uh, a couple of times we even organized uh, birthdays uh, around playing games on the. We bought two spec. We brought two spectrums, and I had a fr uh, friend of mine who had uh, tabletop uh, soccer. So uh, uh, some of the guys were playing soccer, some of the guys were just playing. It was fun for everybody. Yes. I, I, I wasn't that, I, I don't want to say I was that lucky. It didn't have happen like that to me because there were only three of us in primary school who had computers. I had the Amstrad thingy, my best friend had C64, and my other friend had Atari. So we were completely incompatible in terms of the playing of the games and everything else, so we couldn't exchange them. Uh, it was only way later that everybody standardized on PCs and everything was cool. But we used to play those, you know, small video games that you could buy in the store as well with one video game only. And that then I got very... then after that I got my three uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I got it at the same time the most people got Amigas. Mm -hmm. So the game yeah, that and they... my other friend much younger than me who I play with today in the band he had Amiga. So Amigas were much much more uh, gamer friendly way back then because they had color they had a sound yeah the sound was something that you didn't have on a PC yeah. or you could have a sound on your PC but it was beep, beep, enormously beep, 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 expensive beep. no it was enormously <laughs> expensive you could yeah. you could buy a card uh, you could also have graphics yeah had Targa graphics uh, yeah. the cards uh, I have one of those. Uh, with the video memory that, that was able able to actually uh, do um, uh, titling and it was able uh, it was able to process a regular video signal but this was so expensive and so out of the league of anybody uh, for a home computer that was completely just outlier i got it i got it 
20 years after it went out. So <laughs> it was basically when it, it became obsolete. Mm-hmm. But um, what what was uh, what I had to do then is I started to learn to, to code mm-hmm. because I had a PC. Mm-hmm. And this was unfortunate since since uh, almost none of the games came for the PC. Mm-hmm. So I got I got uh, I started to do do, do um, since I was in um, mathematical uh, yeah gymnasium gymnasium uh, way back then when it wasn't a gymnasium yet mm-hmm. uh, we were doing coding in Pascal mm-hmm. and since I was lucky enough to have a PC at home I was able to do some Pascal I was doing some C. Uh, because uh, Turbo Pascal was the was the thing to do way back then. Uh, and I remember th- my brother also went to the same school. He is a little bit older than you are, though. Uh, he used Pascal and Fortran. Yes, then. yes. I didn't do Fortran because for some reason or the other, I didn't like Fortran. Okay. Fortran was completely, uh, I wouldn't say alien to me, but it wasn't the way it, uh, I thought. The Pascal was much more natural to me and much more uh, something that I realized, uh, that I could understand from the get-go. I think that today you would probably want to change that and go other way around because Fortran is super popular still, uh, heavily used. If I wanted to start with something, I know that right now I would probably start with Python. No, no, because, because from the old days. Yes, from the older days, days. But what I would do probably the way I think today, uh, I think that my way, th- my thinking hasn't changed uh, too okay. much. So probably the thing that I would do today was would be Python. Okay. Because uh, Pascal was much more flexible when it comes to uh, different things. And the other thing is that if you remember way back then, mm-hmm. uh, the there were different. Uh, I had a, I had exactly ex- the same uh, case mm-hmm. for my PC. So if you remember back the, back then, uh, this was the time when you could get access to uh, Pascal libraries on disk. Mm-hmm. So some of the some of the magazines actually provided you with a floppy, mm-hmm. and there were already pre-made Pascal examples yes. and Pascal programs that you could reuse, especially the foreign ones. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So I was, I was uh, buying, I don't know which one. I know that there were quite a few of them in Byte. I, I don't know which one, uh, which was the magazine I actually bought. There was a foreign one. Okay, I got the uh, uh, the uh, local ones that were available back then. So the Racionari, Moimicro, Computer, Galaxy, and so on. Mm-hmm. And these were normal things. And not only these are normal things, this is so normal that the um, nice lady at the, um, at the shop that was dealing the, uh, the newspaper uh, stand, she actually had uh, magazines prepared for me. So she knew that I'm going to uh, get every them. Every single month. And every, the, she was actually saving them because the numbers that they uh, got at the newspaper stand wasn't so big, probably a couple of uh, copies. So she was waiting for me with my copy because I wanted to buy a mm-hmm. magazine all, every, every week. And this was when I got my 486 after this. Mm-hmm. My 486 was, I got it somewhere in the late 1991. And the thing that I got, uh, got with it, I, I remember it uh, distinctly because- That seems very early. <coughs> I remember the thing was that, uh, or the it was the beginning of 1992, but I think it was uh, late 1991, because it was uh, immediately before the war started. Mm-hmm. 
And the reason why I remember this was that uh, my case that looked exactly like this mm-hmm. uh, was actually made in Bosnia. Okay. There is a Bosnian uh, factory that made cases for the German market uh, in Jepche. And what they did was I got one of those. I don't know from, from, from where. My father was in charge of buying the computer. I know that the computer was ex- insanely expensive, mm-hmm. but he realized that I'm going to do it. And uh, he, uh, he decided that he's going to buy me a computer. And I was uh, extremely satisfied with this one because the uh, configuration the I got, generation. no, the configuration I got was strange because it has, a, it had a SCSI controller. I had a SCSI disc. I had a modem. It was a, it was a 2400 2400 bytes about basically the second the second slowest one that you could buy yeah. and then I got connected to first BBS and that's where your your future went through the window <laughs> yes yes unfortunately yes because what I did I connected to BBSs and then what happened is that I realized that they were ways to connect to the internet mm-hmm uh, the internet way back then was something like uh, nobody would use it probably today if, if it uh, if it were uh, back way then. Uh, the thing that you could use was IRTS. Mm-hmm. The thing that you could use was Archie. Gopher. Gopher. News. Uh, news and FTP. FTP, yeah. Anonymous FTP was the thing that to use. Yes. But if you remember way back then, the internet connection for the entire Croatia was something like... Uh, 44, something like that. I think it was 9600 or, yeah. or, or, or double models uh, for 9600. So basically what you had to do is I got my... Um, uh, immediately I got my account on the uh, public internet server. And then when it was possible... Yeah, uh, uh, Jagor. Yeah, uh, no, before, before that, it was called Sertsap. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, so the VMS, the VMS mm-hmm. one. <coughs> and the problem was that uh, the thing itself was, when it came to uh, communicate with the, with the outside internet, was so slow that you had to use the AT command uh, just to schedule the download of things that you wanted to compile. Yeah. So... I remember that uh, when something was over 10 kilobytes, you needed to wait mm-hmm. and, and wait and wait. Uh, the waiting time was in hours. So be- what you did was you scheduled what you wanted to do. You scheduled it to happen during the night. And then in the morning, you came back and uh, saw what, ha- what was happening. For me, the story is quite a bit different. Uh, so I was uh, compared to your description. I was quite a late boomer because uh, I got my uh, DX4 I think it was 120 by IBM uh, when I came to, this was the computer that I mentioned. So I think second part of the first year of college. And this is the computer that I then bought the US Rotex modem for and whatnot. This was my introduction to internet. Yours was a little bit earlier, obviously. And uh, this computer was uh, not the the SCSI-based one as you had. That came a little bit later for me, but it's going to be a reoccurring theme that you're going to probably this before and make uh, jokes about it, which is completely fine. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, That computer was my first computer after the XT. Uh, My dad bought that one for me. This was, uh, I mean, you got yours, you were still high school. I was already in college when I got a new one. I got to whole uh, secondary school or high school with it. And I remember 
printing the insane amount of stuff on my dot matrix printer yes. for Latin language sayings and whatnot in uh, in second year of uh, high school and whatnot. But after that, I got the actually first thing that I got uh, after my XT was the LaserJet 4L, which you still owe me. And uh, after that, I got the computer, which was weird combination, but still. Uh, I had the DX4 for actually quite a short time because something big was looming on the horizon and already happened, which was called Pentium. I actually, um, this was my introduction to internet and BBSs as well. This was 1995 for me. Um, so uh, one of the one of the colleagues from the group that I was in in college had uh, his own. It was a pirate BBS uh, run by PC Board. If you remember that piece of software, which yes. was super popular for BBSers, it still exists. Uh, I know. I checked a couple of months ago. I, I know that it still does. There is in a BBS. I will give you the. Uh, there is a there is a local BBS here in Croatia that uh, is running PC Board. Yeah, are, are there people still on it or? Yes. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. And it's uh, amazingly enough, it has the same <laughs> the interface same menu. No, 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 the same user base from the late 1990s. I'm liking it even more because the guy who was running a BBS in Rijeka mm -hmm. uh, found the uh, he found the backups of the BBS to some old Lopez, and a couple of years ago he put up a BBS online. He upgraded it to uh, to a PC board that is able to connect to the internet right now, so you can actually connect there and uh, get the packages for the email. You can, uh, I think, you can talk to people on Fido because mm -hmm. Fido still exists. I remember, yeah, Fidonet. Fidonet still exists. Really? Yes. I haven't checked that in more than twenty years. Or thirty. And uh, anyway, so they exist. Sorry. So uh, you can do the old style uh, BBS thing. The only problem is that it's complicated to get the QW, uh, QWK packages, uh, uh, enabled reader, mm -hmm. because there is, I think there is only one that is right now able to run the Windows. Okay. So uh, you commented on the case that I was, I'm showing right now, which is fun in a way because practically everybody had that case. Yes. Or something like that. This was not the year of highly customizable led driven rgb driven or something computer cases it was the era of a generic case which had a small display and that display was used if you turn on the turbo button and which nobody to, turned off nobody ever turned off in the history of mankind uh, only to check whether or not the display works and you left it turned on and, and everything is good and uh, the thing uh, that they all had was the relic of the business era mm -hmm. they had the key yes they had a key so you could lock the keyboard. Yes. Mechanically. Yes. Basically disconnect, so disconnecting the disconnecting the connector of the keyboard. Yeah, I, I had that. So that DX4 was with me for something like six months. And um, the, the, the guy that used to run the BBS already had the Pentium 90. And me being a little bit of a spoiled brat back then and a little bit, uh, let's say, yeah, about uh, technology, I complained about how can he have, uh, you know, what, whatever. And my father got me a way better machine a year after that, which was based around the beast called Pentium 2. Oh, yes. This was the latest gen that you could buy in Croatia, at least back then. It was the 266 megahertz version of it, slot one. Uh, one of our favorite sockets that ever existed in the history of uh, computers. And this is actually the era of, uh, so I failed the first year, I re-signed again. This is the, uh, the uh, roughly the time when I started doing some odd jobs. 
I started doing Linux administration little by little. I used to do a lot of stuff for student service, just like you did. Many, many of us did. I started doing some stuff for uh, actually some uh, foreign co companies as well. Uh, some paperwork, some word processing, some translations, whatnot, everything involving computer. So after a while, I was actually able to kind of like save a heck of a lot of money from those odd jobs that, uh, that I did. And I upgraded that computer to a computer that you are kind of familiar because we discussed it in private months and months ago. And this was my first SCSI computer. So I had the Ultraplex uh, reader by Plexter, the writer by Plexter. Then afterwards, uh, first the first controller that I had was Adaptex uh, 1542. Then I went uh, to, to a more expensive one, which was 2940W. Then I went to the more expensive version, which was U2W as well. And I had also the external one. And uh, I talked to you about this scanner as well. Yes. It's a flatbed scanner, 4C scanjet. I still have it in my basement. It still works to this very day. This is where my obsession kind of, let's, let's call it for what it is obsession uh, for computer hardware started because I was able to save, I mean, you can see from the list, the, 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 the scanner was something that my dad bought me, but everything else that you heard and on top of that, many, many discs and sound blasters and whatnot and SCSI cables, which were always very expensive. And I had external cases for all of those things. I was able to save from these odd jobs and I was saving for, for months for them and actually probably years as well before I bought all of those. And this is also a time when I was introduced to the uh, best friend in terms of the graphics cards that I had back then, which was the ATI All-in-One uh, series of cards. Yes. I had four different ones. First one I bought, second one I bought, third one I bought, fourth, fourth one I actually got because I was already uh, I did, you know, in, in the computer magazine, so I got it uh, after the review. Uh, I spent an enormous amount of money on those cards because, as I'm sure you know, those were the most expensive cards that you could buy at that at, uh, first and second generation, I mean. They were like 300 euros in today's money in 1996. Yes, my first card was a Vinci card. I think it was 3D whatever. 3DFX? Uh, 3DFX probably. TNT something. Uh, yes, but uh, the, the... No, I no sorry. It was a VGA card. Mm -hmm. It wasn't 3D capable. Oh, okay. And then I got then I got uh, a lender. My friend lent me, because he had two of those for some reason or the other, the, past, the first pass through the Voodoo. Uh, passed through a card, effects, yeah. uh, and this was something that was completely amazing because it was. this was the first card that enabled you to actually have real-time 3D that made sense mm -hmm. because on the old VGA cards, uh, for example, we were uh, running um, because everything was available. We were running Autodesk uh, CAD, and it took it I don't know 12 minutes to render something on the screen. And yeah, but be, be, uh, before that, it took it 45 minutes to render. Yes, yeah, so, so, we, we, so we were talking basically an, an afternoon to just uh, see something on the screen. Yeah. And then suddenly 3D became available. Yeah. And I I must admit that I got, I had a couple of friends who were doing, uh, who were heavily into hardware, and I didn't buy my own uh, video cards because I didn't see the, re uh, the reasoning behind it. 
I wasn't the one who was playing too, uh, too much. Mm-hmm. What I did was I liked to um, connect with the BBSs. I was co- uh, communicating with people. I was uh, doing emails back by then. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't that interested in um, uh, having a video card at home. And then when I started uh, working in magazines, suddenly I got a decent machine at home. But since everything was available in the magazine itself, and yeah. I was spending a lot of time there, I just didn't upgrade my computer at home. Yeah, let's let's uh, leave the history of us starting in the magazines for a little bit later. Uh, obviously, so back then I was the ATI guy, definitely. I had four of those cards. One was more expensive than the other, and back way then that was super expensive. Obviously, you don't buy these cards for... Uh, necessarily for performance in 3D gaming, although they were quite decent in that. They were multimedia cards that you could hook up to TV. Uh, you you had the capability to have the output on a different TV for it. It had piece of software that could uh, real-time basically uh, record MPEG-2 streams from a TV. You yes. could schedule it. It worked beautifully. Some of the some of the shows that I used to watch on some Slovenian channels like Channel A and whatnot were very uh, popular back then. So I spent most of the college actually working with them, and a couple of years after, uh, at least a year after that. So that that's a long seven or eight year period for three of those uh, only wonder cards. And then I started working in a magazine. And the only constant that remained all the way through college was the uh, all in wonder card. And the SCSI things, which I bought more and more of. I mean, the, the latest generations of SCSIs could address 15 devices, 14, if you discount the controller and some, some things. I, I had it almost full, internal and external. I spent gazillion you know, amounts of kunas for, for all of that. I enjoyed that very much. But until I got into uh, uh, the IT journalist editor slash you know, magazine business, I did not upgrade my computer all that much. Uh, we were a lot of people here locally were buying hardware from the same smuggler guy that used to live around. Yes. Some Zagrebačka Petlja, whatever doesn't really matter. Uh, and this was around time when I built actually my uh, like a side computer because I had some spare parts and disks and whatnot, and I had old SCSI controllers which I removed from the, because I changed three different adaptics. Uh, I built my first dual CPU thingy. So regular stuff, Asus PWDS with those uh, slot one uh, modified Celerons 300. Upgrade, yes, I remember those. Yeah, upgraded, uh, overdriven to 450, you know, 66 to 100 megahertz bus, whatnot. Uh, but I was just playing with that computer on the side. This was uh, way back then when I had two computers and that uh, was something that became a topic for me for mo- basically all, all time after that. I always have multiple computers just like you do. But it was only when I got into the uh, business of computer magazines that I actually started upgrading to newer generations of computers. I had that Clomat and I had this dual CPU thing. Uh, so for five or six years, I did not replace anything apart from the Adaptec and free different all-in-one cards because I didn't need anything. The same thing for me, but what I did in the meantime was that I switched from using DOS and uh, I was extremely late to Windows. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was very early to Windows, something uh, like that. No, I, to be, uh, okay, let's let's make a distinction there. I was early to implement Windows 3.11, mm-hmm. but then when Windows 98, uh, 95 came in, 
and uh, you had to switch to a different kernel. So basically when the kernel became a thing mm -hmm. and you couldn't just use Windows 95 from DOS, uh, it was, um, I was late, late in switching. I switched something like in 1996 or 1997. I almost waited for the Windows 98 before I switched. And at the same time in the 93 and 94, I, um, uh, installed Linux. Mm -hmm. So I had Slack were running on the PC and this was way back then when you had to have a uh, dual boot because there were no other options available to you at all. Yeah. So you had to uh, be extremely, extremely uh, careful not to delete the primary partition. Made it work perfectly. Yes, uh, you needed to- <laughs> Multiple times. <laughs> you needed to make make sure that you're not going to do to break your primary partition. Then you had to install the Linux. You had those uh, stupid uh, limitations that the booting parts uh, uh, had to be in the first two gigabytes of the yes. disk and so on and so on and so on. So. So many little things that uh, needed to you, uh, you needed to take care of, and the thing is that I wasn't experimenting with hardware that much. I was I was experimenting much more with software because I was I was interested to see what is going to happen and what is happening. So I stopped buying uh, hardware mm -hmm. because I didn't need to. Okay. The only thing that I wanted to buy and what I bought was were discs. Yeah. So I obviously went in a completely opposite direction of that. I actually had my first laptop back then. This was my dad got me a, a ASTS Sentia, one of the models. He bought me a network card for it, PCMCIA. You do remember how how crazily expensive those things were back yes. in the 90s. It was like two average monthly salaries or something like that for our region. But even PCMCA cards were something that, uh, first, they were almost unobtainable. Yeah. And then when you got one, the amount of money you had to pay for a PCMCI card was something like four times the, the equivalent that you could get for a desktop PC. And actually, uh, I got that on our local fair in our fairground here. We currently have one running in Zagreb as well at the time of filming this. Uh, and I had a special request for the network card for the PCMCI. It had to work with Linux as well. So it was much more difficult to find one. find one. I was lucky on one of the stands, they had one. And I made the guy sell it to me, although, although he didn't want to. I was, when I was doing the, when I was doing the Linux thing was that the first, my first contacts with Linux was that uh, since I was installing Slackware and Slackware so had- 1995, by the way, this was 1995. That I'm talking about. Yeah, for me. So I was installing Slackware and Slackware had a problem. Mm -hmm. Uh, the Slackware way back then was uh, was uh, installed from floppies. Yes, I had fifty six of those. They were. I think think version one zero was forty floppies, if I remember. Uh, I, I remember they had everything, including extended floppies, and then they had floppy. Yes, they had floppy sets. Mm -hmm. My X floppy set, so the floppy set that was uh, installed in the X server, was broken. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't able to even install a graphical user <laughs> interface. I had to go into the terminal because I had to wait uh, to get the floppy from the guy who I got the Linux from. And the problem is that his floppy was, uh, was bad. Mm -hmm. So I was copying from a bad floppy. This is the reason why my uh, packages were broken and my uh, X just wouldn't install. So what I had to do is what I, ha I had to wait probably a couple of weeks because I could, uh, before I could get, uh, grab, the, uh, grab the packages. And way back then, when you wanted to, inst to install Linux, you were 
more or less on your own. Yeah, no documentation. No documentation procedure. was whatever was uh, available, and this was uh, abysmally uh, bad. Mm-hmm. And the other thing was, if you wanted to connect to the internet <laughs> using Linux, mm-hmm. using Slip um, mm-hmm. and dial-up, mm-hmm. uh, the only thing that you could do was actually call somebody in the uh, university uh, computer center, mm-hmm. And then there was a guy there who knew how to do it. So you actually had to go step by step, uh, step by talking to him because there was no user support. Mm-hmm. There was just a guy who actually knew what he was talking about, who was trying to guide you and you had absolutely no idea what you're doing. Yes. And then he was trying to guide you through installing something and the modems themselves were for German market. So you had to reprogram the, those. They had the uh, redial problems that uh, were yeah, they were, way back then they had loops of weirdness yes the loops of weirdness i'll just uh, quickly note that uh, way back then germany decided that you are not allowed to redial more than three times in a minute i think or so or something mm. like this because this is overburdening the uh, telephone network no, pulse so, dialing so you had to wait for the pulse dial so this is the first thing and the second thing was that you wouldn't uh, you weren't able to directly dial as soon as possible you had to wait Mm-hmm. So it was a different thing, but let's get back to desktops because right now we are doing the uh, origin story of the supervillain, although the supervillain. <laughs> super um, <laughs> now we we we, went, we want to go back to the desktops. Way back then, the desktops were more or less pretty similar to each other. Very much so. You had a couple if you if uh, the current processor line uh, for uh, for the couple of uh, chipsets. Uh, BX, uh, FX, and GX, for example. BX, one of the best chips that's ever made. Yes. Uh, the processors market was uh, much more different because you had AMD, you had Intel, Cyrix. and you had Cyrix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cyrix was always, and you had Via. Transmeta. Okay. <laughs> yes, but it was called Via back then. Yeah, yeah. So you had different processors. Uh, they were trying different things. So, for example, uh, Intel tried uh, creating the um, uh, Celeron that was uh, in slot one. So, basically, it was mounted in, dif- in different ways than the other processors for different reasons. One was the uh, cooling, the other was patent, uh, patent reason because they were trying to create a different, uh, different uh, motherboard. Motherboards themselves were expensive. Super expensive, yes. Uh, the power supplies were expensive. Yeah. Or to be simply said, everything was expensive, yeah. even the cases. Yeah. Because the cases were made out of actual steel. Aluminum and steel, yeah. Steel, steel actually, back then, yes. Okay, but if you, if you got, for example, if you got an Olivetti, Olivetti did uh, the plastic cases and then uh, they had an internal uh, structure made out of aluminum that was there just for the um, uh, EMF uh, uh, shielding, but it wasn't meant to be something that was uh, holding the thing together. So people were experimenting. When I mentioned Olivetti, there were different manufacturers that don't exist uh, anymore now. And you could buy a PC. If you want to buy a PC, probably you could buy an IBM. Yeah, they were prohibitively expensive. The the DX4 that I talked about was original IBM. Yeah, so they were prohibitively expensive. Yeah, this is insane. It, it was insane. Uh, they had their own uh, standards because they were still trying to establish uh, establish dominance by by yeah. destandardizing uh, PC because they uh, realized that uh, the Pandora's box has been opened. Yeah, and the they are, they were losing they were losing the market share, and they were 
pretty uh, much into not losing the market share. So they introduced PS2 uh, and um, uh, uh, the microchannel structure. They were trying to do different mm -hmm. styles of floppies, different strengths of uh, controllers and so on. Yeah. They were trying to change the connectors. They the were network doing... and whatnot. Yeah, yes, they were doing whatever they could to uh, destandardize the PC. But, and, but way back then, the PC itself was first pretty standardized. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was that the uh, availability of different options wasn't that great. Yeah, unobtainium. Not only this, but nobody was creating... Even trying, yeah. The, yes, you had, you had the network card, but... You had a couple of intro cards, that was it. Yeah, and a 2000 and... And yes, that, 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 that was it. Yes, that was it. The thing was that when somebody made a card that worked, everybody just created that, that card or you just got that card, that was it. There, there weren't the, the, um, uh, so many options as there, there are now. Yeah, agreed. And this was the, the thing that was driving the PC more or less for 20 years. Yes. And the problem was that people don't understand right now uh, that uh, I think it was middle of the 2000s when the actual market became something that you could consider a divergent market. Suddenly, a case that wasn't beige uh, became a thing. Mm -hmm. uh, first, people were uh, decorating their own cases. Yeah. Uh, Much more reliable coolers. Yes, started appearing on the market. Yes, water, water cooling became water a cooling, thing. Chillers. I bought, I bought a Ford Fiesta <laughs> uh, oil cooler and then got it connected to uh, got, got, got it connected to the first block. You could buy uh, CPU cooling blocks uh, that were more or less machined uh, yep. in 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 a, in a shop, and then you had to connect your own uh, set of things. I still have that cooler at home. Um, I have one of the one of those water coolers at home as well. It yes, still but works. The, the, you, it, it, it the original it, it wasn't from the Ford Fiesta. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. The the other thing was that uh, you could decorate your uh, so you were inclined to decorate your uh, case. Right now, if I told you that uh, I want you to take your case to a local um, uh, body sh uh, auto body shop <laughs> and get it get it uh, get it painted mm -hmm. in a different color, you would say that I would I was I would be insane. Yeah, but clinically. we we did it. Yeah, I so, had a bright red case because um, a friend of mine, he was uh, heavily into modding cases. So what he was doing is he was uh, creating plexi windows into cases. He was uh, painting cases and so on. So he created a mod case for us, uh, and it was fiery red. When uh, it cost some insane amount of money because you had it, uh, he had it uh, thermo painted mm -hmm. with a special with a special paint at the local uh, body shop and. But it was the fun, the fun thing to do because there weren't that many things that you could do. Mm -hmm. You couldn't buy a faster processor. You had three or th three different speeds on the market. That was it. You couldn't buy more memory because memory was extremely expensive. Mm -hmm. So what you could do, you could change the, uh, the color of your case. Yeah. Which brings us basically to, to around the era when both of us were in the, uh, let's say, publishing industry. Uh, I started in 1997 with a friend of ours. Uh, later on, I just did, I don't know, 10, 15 different articles for the Linux column. 
you uh, started working with them as well. Later on, it became a permanent business. And for the next, I don't know, 10 plus years, you were the editor as well there. Uh, I started in 1999 and I finished. I, I remember that uh, when I finished, I had 17 years behind me. Yeah. Uh, and I think four of those, I wasn't an editor. Yeah, I think two, for the like last, 12 for, years. For, for the last, for the, for the most part of it, I was uh, yeah. an editor either of that, that magazine or another magazine that was dealing with... Uh, uh, mobile phones. Yeah, uh, my story was just a little bit different. So I never did, did the uh, overall magazine editing business. I was just the uh, editor of the hardware part, which consisted of, <laughs> which basically made the most of the magazine, uh, yes. to be quite honest. Afterwards, I started with my website and there I was the editor-in-chief, but that's that was a little bit later. But that, that's less of a point. The point was, uh, that I wanted to make is this. Until that time, when we became those people, Basically, I don't think we changed our computers all that much. It was then when the floodgates of hardware started opening towards us, which led, in, at least in my case, I don't know necessarily the details of your case. So I'm kind of, uh, I kind of have an idea of how that went. Uh, but the, when the floodgates of, of that hardware started opening in 2004 for me, uh, when I started uh, up after I started six months after I started working in the magazine, that was a completely different story. For the next, I, th I think until 2010 or 2011, I basically did not have a permanent computer because I changed the motherboard every two weeks, CPUs every month, graphic cards every two or three or four months, or maybe a little bit more. And everything else because they were coming in faster than I could actually put them to good use. That was my story, I, and I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of MSI Gigabyte uh, EVGA motherboards, Epoch motherboards, DFI LAN party motherboards when they were still alive. Most Club. of them, yeah, Club 3D is still alive. Hello, Paul, um, one of the owners. Um, I cannot even begin to tell you the amount of those that I tried and which they didn't want to ship it back because it cost, it was too much of a cost. Yes, so they yes, usually yes, left yes, it yes. with us. I actually still have a gigabyte provided X58 motherboard with Intel CPU. That's actually the computer that's a silver case in our office. It is unbreakable. So those, those days were actually, it was a string of, uh, after the, uh, you mentioned uh, the uh, BX chipset. After that, Intel had a string of fantastic chipsets. 865, 875, 965, 975, X38, X40, 48, and X58. Those like a span of, let's say, 10 years of chipsets. One was better than the other. Never had a complaint about it. Yes, but there is, there is one thing I just and, checked. Uh, when, uh, way back then, NVIDIA did chipsets as well, Enforces. Yes. I still have a couple of motherboards, uh, Enforce SLI, whatnot, EVGA ones with water cooling still working to this very day. And this was the time when uh, we also did the, the low power. They did the APS and they did the low power uh, motherboards yeah, yeah. for specific purposes, but th those were also amazing machines. But I checked and the thing is that uh, I think that the reasoning behind why we didn't upgrade as, as often before we became uh, somebody who was do doing this uh, basically professionally mm -hmm. was that you couldn't uh, you couldn't uh, upgrade because you didn't uh, have the processor to upgrade them from. Yeah, it was impossible uh, to get. No, not only this. The thing is that I checked the Pentium Three was released in the nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and this is the first processor before before that Pentium One, Pentium Two. 
you could release, but you only had 486, Pentium 1, Pentium 2, that was it. Mm -hmm. Then the seller came out with, with the uh, Pentium 3. It, it was very popular. Here. It was extremely popular because it was cheap. Much cheaper. And But this was the breaking point when you actually had the processor every year, a new processor that you could upgrade on. Mm -hmm. And the other thing was the Pentium 3, but, uh, was the Pentium Pro came in. Mm -hmm. in I had one of those as well. And, but the thing is that uh, this was the time when uh, Intel was trying to push for uh, one point something gigahertz because they were uh, trying to push the um, single core processing above the gigahertz mark mm -hmm. because AMD was doing it. And the thing what that happened was that uh, this was the time, if you remember uh, way back then, uh, Pentium 3 had a problem on 133 speed. Uh, there was a there was a failed attempt at uh, yeah. a processor that was the first processor that had problems uh, specifically in Linux, specifically with build pro build systems because it, it was unable to build. Mm -hmm. It had a, it had a hardware of, uh, error that made it unable to build some uh, some software. I had Pentium 3 only on my uh, on my laptop, one of the the, the Dell that I mentioned. And this, was the, and this was the first thing that uh, Pentium did uh, when it came to something different because this was the, the 2000 was the year that the speed step was uh, introduced. introduced. Yeah. And this was a big thing. Yes. And the reason why I'm mentioning this is that up until that point, you more or less couldn't upgrade your computer without changing it uh, in its entirety. Mm -hmm. You had to change the uh, processor, but then you had to change the motherboard. Then you had to change the memory. And usually... Memory was a little bit longer lasting, but generally speaking, you are correct. Yes, because you didn't want to have the memory that's going to be uh, much slower than the processor that you were getting. Because the difference in speed between uh, the generations and the processor were enormous. Yes. And the other thing was that... Uh, a Except lot for the... Pentium 4, which was in many cases slower than Pentium 3. Okay, right now in Intel did it again with the 14th generation the, uh, compared to the 13th generation, so nothing has changed. But on, on that part, uh, the thing that also changed was that uh, your, the, uh, the thing that you like the most, so the periphery, completely changed. Yes. Uh, parallel ports went out of business. Uh, USB, serial ports. USB, serial ports are serial available on most of the motherboards. Not on laptops though. Yes, not on laptops, but on most motherboards right now, you have a serial port. You still have to buy a header for it, but you're correct. Or or some of those, because I was completely surprised when I got the motherboard for the uh, AMD's uh, Threadripper Pro, and I got an actual header for the COM port. Well done, and AMD. This, that was last something. year, two years ago? Last year. Last year, okay. But, but the thing was that I actually opened the case, uh, the... Uh, the uh, box for the motherboard. Mm -hmm. I saw the header and first I saw, thought, uh, "What the hell they, is that?" No, did they make a mistake? <laughs> what, what? And then I realized. Did you that, buy an ancient ancient then, motherboard? Yes, but then I realized that the thing that what they, they are doing is that they have a console port, mm -hmm. and the console port is the COM port. Of course. So so they have an actual uh, DB9 console uh, port that is available on the motherboard, which seems completely reasonable. But in the two thousands. The uh, we changed from first the connector for the for the keyboard changed. Yes. From the PS2 to USB. Uh, sorry, from the um, DIN to, to PS2, PS2, then from PS2, PS2 to, to USB. USB. Yeah. Uh, we still have uh, combined uh, PS2 connectors for the to this very day. To this very day. Mm -hmm. uh, the graphic card connectors changed numerous times. Yeah. 
So you had different uh, VGA connectors, then you have uh, had uh, HDMI. First DVI. DVI, n- uh, number of DVIs. Number, DVI, digital analog. Digital number, analog. Uh, uh, double link or dual the, the, link, link etc. And, so yeah. and so on and so on. So this changed. Uh, parallel port went out of business. Firewire came and went. Unfortunately, yes. Yes, so uh, what else did we got? RDA uh, went out uh, of business. Uh, Comport 2 went out of business, 25 pin one. Yes, uh, some of the some of the boards had composite out. There's some of, actually my Commodore piece 10.3 had composite out, believe it or not. Yes. The Centronic sports for printers went out as well. Yes, because the printers went to USB. Yeah. But this is purely for the reasons of uh, speed. Yeah. Uh, since the rendering was now done in Windows and they had to cre- uh, create another uh, yep. controller. Because the only reason why the controller in itself was there to uh, get the data across and it would be extremely slow to pu- pu- push the yes. information through it. Uh, also, uh, the networks became a thing. So the network cards suddenly appeared on the motherboards themselves without you needing to, uh, to buy a different card. It took enormous amount of years for that to become a standard. Yes, the, for some reason, eSATA ports came and went on the motherboards. I still find them to be useful. Uh, they're useful, but they came and went. Yeah. They appeared and then they disappeared from new motherboards mm-hmm. for no, no particular reason. I still have cases that have them and use them frequently. No, I, I think they're fine. Yeah. What I miss today is the USB-C ports because they are so shy to be to appear on the motherboards. Oh. Well, no, I don't know no, why. you mean on the cases as well? Yes. Cases is worse. Yes, but cases, cases I can understand, but I cannot understand the, the motherboards because the motherboards uh, can benefit from the USB-C connector since it's smaller, easy to implement, uh, much better uh, hardware-wise and so on and so on. So I don't understand why they're not in the motherboards, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. Uh, cases are actually a very important topic. Yes, cases are important. Don't begin. Still think, to this very day. And I think that we should dedicate an episode to the cases. I think we should absolutely do that. And not only that, um, I tested and posted articles and did publishing for, uh, in, in terms of the, the cases and whatnot, I don't know how many. Because the guys who used to work at Cooler Master, you know who you are. I know that you are listening to our podcast, you too. They sent me a whole palette of their cases and they repeated that every single freaking year. All of the Cosmos cases and whatnot. I actually gave quite a few of them away. Uh, but this goes uh, actually to, uh, to, to the point of the, the story from my perspective. Because when I started working uh, in Computer Magazine, um, this was the introduction to, uh, actually reintroduction to a big tower case for me. I never, ever, 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 ever had a mid tower desktop or whatever case after that. This plays directly into yes, the story. Yes, yes, no, 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 no. I didn't, I didn't go below the mid tower case. Uh, I always all, had only ever. big towers, only big towers ever. Uh, like after that, especially because of the cosmoses, which are the most perfect cases ever made, and I had like five or six of them. Still have a couple. Uh, but everything I did afterwards, you, you know, when you when you do that thing, when you, for example, making a sandwich and you have generic components that you're putting, when you try to assemble a new computer, okay, uh, ETX, EATX case, the big one, and then I start with everything else, always, because I know me, you know me as well, because I'm the, uh, I want to upgrade this to the max type of man, uh, I always need to have the big towers because I always fill them to the brink. 
And th this started actually with All in Wonders. Uh, actually, before that, it started with SCSI. We used to have machines with multiple SCSI controllers for all the crap that I had on them. And it's just continued to this very day because, again, when, when we were discussing the, uh, the laptops, it's, it is the same principle. I was always the one computer type of guy for vast majority of the, of the use cases. And when I say one, one laptop, one desktop type of guy. But I wanted the, both of them to be able to do basically everything. That's where my flaw is. Okay. Uh... And Big Tower is, generically speaking, a flaw all in itself. Yes. Know, for most of the people. Yes, but I must say that right now, I think that uh, the best case right now is the Fractal, probably. R6, R5, R6, R7. Uh, without I like Be Quiet a lot as well. But okay, but I like Fractals for, for different reasons. And I must say that uh, all the cases that I have are Big Towers. Yeah. Uh, simply because I like the ability to put whatever uh, whatever I can in the case itself. And the biggest thing right now is that almost none of the cases that I have are capable of uh, supporting uh, newer NVIDIAs and new, newer uh, ND cards. No, it's not the it's not the height. The problem is the uh, the, 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 depth. the depth. And even the the, the the clearance space to the bottom of the case can be a problem as well. And it is in a lot of cases. I had very recent experience with this in my Be Quiet case with Z790 motherboard. I was... I would say this close to getting the grinder out and uh, solving the problem with the uh, AMD card. Not in the case. Mm -hmm. I was planning on uh, doing that to the, to the card. Yeah. Because the case <laughs> has to stay intact. There's a simple solution to the problem. <coughs> Which one? Water cooling. Usually it's lower profile. But the lower profile, yes, but not the depth of the card. Yeah, I know. And this is the problem. The problem is that you usually don't have enough space because uh, in modern uh, in modern cases, yeah. usually you have the space for the desks in the front, and the space is usually filled from the front. Mm -hmm. So you don't have enough space. Okay, on most of the fractals, the the, the discs themselves are uh, slotted from the uh, from the sides, but still you don't have enough space in the front to uh, enable you to yeah, yeah. Uh, hold uh, the the full uh, width card. Having said that, let's talk about the cards with the, on the desktops. Cards? Because this, okay. this is the thing that, super that was super, super important. Yeah. Because when you are buying a desktop, you're buying it because of the compatibility and the flexibility of uh, upgrades. Yeah, I think that's a reasonable assumption. So let's start first with the things that we take for granted. Graphics card. Mm -hmm. You the, the graphic card was something that you uh, started from, and this is probably the first expansion that was... Uh, a thing that you could upgrade without upgrading the rest of the computer. Yes. You went from uh, monochrome uh, MDA card to Hercules. You could buy CGA, EGA, VGA. Mm -hmm. Nobody reasonable would buy a CGA card. Yeah. For different Unless reasons. it was already built in. Yes, because CGA was... I, I, I don't... Okay, I realize this, the reasoning behind it, but still, I don't understand why would somebody would buy a CGA, actual CGA it card. It is what it is. Uh, then... You had VGA after VGA, uh, then, uh, then uh, SVGA and VGA ISA, the ISA slot, um, uh, VESA ISA slot. So VLB. the higher bandwidth, the higher bandwidth uh, slot that enabled fa faster cards, 
and then the rest of the cards that are basically we are still calling the MGA, but I don't know if are we calling the 4080 a VGA card? I don't know. I would call it a tank. I would call it the uh, warmer, but uh, or a heater. But uh, the thing is that the cards themselves were something that was always upgradable, and you had zillions of models through the years. Mm -hmm. You still do. The second thing that was upgradable was, was the sound. Mm -hmm. We don't have ninety nine percent of the people don't do that anymore. Yes, because the reason is the reasoning being that uh, just like network cards, it's on board. Bye bye. That and the uh, thing is that the card suddenly became a USB device because the the, the bandwidth available on the USB mm -hmm. was big enough that if you wanted the sound card, mm -hmm. suddenly you could buy a USB device, and it's much easier to connect the USB device because you don't need the breakout box, which I find to be a mistake. But yeah. That's my point of view. Uh, my okay. point of view is that professional I, musician, uh, professional musician, being a ye yes or no, uh, I the idea of a card that is inside my PC and then having a breakout box because I want the breakout box to be able to connect different connectors defeats the purpose of the card. I I, I, I dislike that idea because I can use the USB. It has enough bandwidth, to, so the breakout box is the card itself. I had the Teratex and the Audi G external with the external yes, modules way back, way back then. then. Those were the thing. They really were a thing. Yes, they, RMEs, RMEs, uh, Sound Blaster Pros, yes. uh, the Sound Blaster, what was it called? The first one that had more transistors than the uh, CPU itself. Yeah, 16 version, you think? Or no, it was, the, it was the uh, Epix version or whatever. I don't remember which what version was the of the. You're not talking about Gravis Ultrasound, are you? No, 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 no. Okay. Whatever. Yes, but I'll check. But the thing is that the the grab the sound cards actually managed to get out of the case, and suddenly they became cards that you could use also on the laptop. But so there was another reason why sound cards in the past, way back then, were mandatory thing. They were used to connect the CD-ROM to it. Yes, they had the CD-ROM and they used to be connected to the CD-ROM. They had a digital a, audio. Some of them had the controller for the CD-ROM. Yeah, that's exactly what uh, I'm saying. Some of them had a digital audio uh, connector on, of them. Uh, you could use the CD-ROM as an analog device and then play uh, music? An, analog music through the CD, uh, through the graphic, uh, through the sound card, and then mix it. Mm -hmm. So you had a digital mixer that were able to do, do this, and they were more or less things that you had to do because. Uh, when laptops came out, they had their own uh, sound cards. Mm -hmm. The default desktop, up until two thousand something, something yeah. didn't have a, a sound. It didn't have any sound, just a small. Beat or a network. It was exactly the same, you know, the progression that happened there. Yes, but um, for most of the people, sound is more important than network. You think? Yes. Nowadays, nowadays no. <laughs> but back then, the yeah, ability of your desktop to uh, play a CD yeah. was amazing. It was because you didn't. Or MP3s, as the case may be. Okay, but the still the same thing. The ability to play the CDs was amazing, an amazing thing. Yeah. Uh, then what happened was that the sound card became something that could be connected to USB, and right now. And Firewire and Thunderbolt afterwards. I only know the extremely high-end sound cards that are connected to PCI Express. I yeah, know they are getting 
smaller and smaller in terms of the amount of available models as well. I don't think that uh, the amount of available models makes any sense because right now I know only about the ASIC cards that are specifically tailored for a specific uh, usage scenario. Radio. Uh, radio. They are able to do enormous amount of processing on the card itself, mm -hmm. but they are when it comes to price, there's something like above three thousand dollars and then going up mm -hmm. and they are designed for a specific scenario for a yeah. specific usage case outliers. and they are completely outliers nobody's going to buy those yeah uh, there is not even a second-hand market for those of course because the uh, whoever bought them is going to use them until the break yeah and this is something that's going to just remain the same and we are not going to be caring about this since the cards are not going to reappear on the pc express nobody yeah. needs them yeah, uh, it's much easier to buy a I don't know, a seventy euro Behringer on the, somewhere and just uh, plug it in the USB. Just like you did. It just I, I, like I like it. How did. is that working out for you? What I would say is that uh, seventy dollars Behringer, uh, seventy euros Behringer right now is the same thing as the uh, fifteen euro uh, PCI card back then. So just a generic card that is able to provide you with some amount of audio without too much hassle, let's but not as good as a normal, uh, normal uh, well, uh, audio card. Let's see what happens when you upgrade to a 200 euro universal audio card, which you're going to do soon. And uh, then we're going to have the discussion. I know that it's going to be better. <laughs> but the, the thing is that the thing is that the same uh, as with the microphones that I bought you and uh, we are waiting for those come from China. We are just going to compare those, uh, the microphones that are... Uh, copies of the copy? Copies of the copy. With the original. But, the, the, but at the same time, they're one order of magnitude cheaper than, than the original. Or even more, yeah, it's just insane. So, uh, so what I I'm trying to say is that uh, whenever you're dealing with desktops, you have enormous uh, uh, leverage when it comes to uh, what you want to buy and what you can buy. You, yeah, can you, buy a, you can buy options a, are there the options are there you can buy still right now you can buy a graphics card that's going to be 50 euros and the graphics card is going to be two and a half thousand euros mm -hmm. and everything in between mm -hmm. this is something that only the desktop can provide okay unless you do eGPU on a pc which works really well okay but expensive uh, yes but when it comes to laptops this is impossible no yeah i could do it on this one but generally speaking you're correct uh, because in 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 uh, desktop uh, world, I can upgrade whatever I want to. Yes. If I want to upgrade the network because I have a 10G network, mm -hmm. okay, say 60, 70 uh, euros eBay, up, up to a thousand, uh, depending on the yeah. network adapter. But I can do it. Yeah. If I want to do a fiber channel on my desktop, no okay, problem. No problem. You want some? No. I have spares. Yes, yes, no, I, me, me too. But the problem is I don't have the other, uh, the other side. So I need, I need. Uh, I have switch as well. You don't have the storage though. No, I don't have the storage. And uh, if you have the storage for free, that, that would be nice. Maybe I do. Okay, we'll talk. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, uh, but, what, what else? What else has been removed or upgraded to some kind of a different, let's say, uh, usage model? So we talked graphics, we talked USB, PS2, keyboard. Everything. Everything has been upgraded to outside the, because of the grabbers right now. Uh, you cannot get... Uh, okay, you can, but you are not going to get uh, video or audio grabbers from the, from the outside. Uh, they're going to be part of the case. You can get some uh, Blackmagics, 
But usually what you would do would probably be a separate device that's going to be an outside of the, the other desktop. I would, yeah, there, there are two op opposing directions. There's yes. Either external one, which is more regular, normal users who just need something. And you have uh, Metaphor Black Magics, which we also have. This is for more professional workflow, multiple inputs, multiple outputs, that type of operation, and much more expensive. Yes, but then, then it also comes to... Uh, you are either way going to buy a separate console that's going to be the control console for the That's the software device. part as well. But also we are going to buy a hardware console for the control. No, no, no. Console controlling software so that it controls the console. Yes, that's yes, yes, yeah. yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. But what is going to happen is that uh, we are seeing much more things being put out of the desktop, but still we need a desktop. And one of the biggest things that uh, hasn't changed is the, what the disk provides you is the ability to upgrade the drives. Uh, right you know now, why all of that annoys me? No. All that you just said. Not you, but okay. the fact that, that what you said is true. Yes, I know. Because of the fact that that just consumes way more space. Yes. And it's annoying as hell. Yes, but on the other hand... No, I there like, is no on the other hand. On the other hand, uh, when I see the amount of power that certain devices require, mm -hmm. I like the space because the space provides GPU. cooling. Pro space provides cooling. Yeah, I can cool those things. If I'm, um, if I have to cram everything inside a small laptop case, usually I'm going to either have to uh, have to uh, have to uh, put up with much 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 slower hardware mm -hmm. or i'm going to have uh, a problem with the cooling yep so this way i prefer the i prefer the desktops also the desktops are much cheaper now for a Com given for a given configuration okay okay and I the other and the other thing is that what we should be talking about are the monitors really yes because i started with the generic uh, okay. uh, green screen monitor. Then I upgraded to Amber monitor. Mm -hmm. This is an Hercules based. Then I had uh, that awful generic VGA monitor that was uh, that has that enormous bulbous CRT, and it was crappy as hell. Yeah. Then I was doing something, and I was able to upgrade to Sony Trinitron. I know. And then I haven't looked back. I still have the Sony. I, today I moved it uh, to another storage, and this is probably the best monitor that I have. Still, you know that uh, you can actually sell uh, Trinitrons right now. Yeah, I know they're crazy expensive. Yes, because people want to play on the on the CRT monitors. Yeah, but they're crazy expensive. I yes, checked no. recently. Yes, 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 no, and this is one of those things that uh, you shouldn't be uh, sp uh, trying to uh, save money on. The monitor has to be an expensive one. Oh, because I agree. Now, the monitors that uh, on the laptops, compared to what you can get for the same amount of money on the in the desktop space, there is basically no comparison. You can get much bigger monitors with much better screens, uh, because of two things. First, you have the space, mm -hmm. and the other thing is that you have the power available. You are not um, uh, you are not limited by the number the, by the amount of power that you have inside your laptop. You want to tell me that your home monitors are not as good as this one, or you want to say that this one is much better than them? If I had this monitor and this resolution 
uh, I would probably need to pay the amount for a smaller, a smaller family car yeah. when it comes to the screen estate that they can uh, create at home. Because right now I'm running uh, three uh, 32-inch monitors at home. Mm-hmm. This monitor is, is amazing, but I want to have bigger screens. Mm-hmm. I'm, as I said, I'm older now, so I need, I need bigger, uh, bigger fonts. And I also want uh, a good image. Uh, retina screens are amazing, mm-hmm. but they don't scale up. Mm-hmm. What if they could? They, they can, mm-hmm. but uh, take a look at the prices. You mean the studio displays? Or yes. Whatnot? Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think that that's the same thing, but yeah, you're, you're on the correct path. I have actually, I just uh, made an order uh, because I'm switching my setup, as I'm sure you know, a little bit, removing from s- some stuff from my apartment. Uh, I made an order for uh, additional Samsung 28, so I can have two of them, and I have two 24, and I have one 24 on the side. I have five of them on my screen. Very happy with them. And it was only after a couple of years of using them that I started realizing how much of a good investment it was to buy good monitors. Uh, I am buying the best monitors that I can, I can afford for as long as I know that uh, exist, simply because this man enabled me to live through my 40s without the need for the uh, for the glasses. Uh, one of the things that people uh, do wrong mm-hmm. is that they buy monitors that are bad. Yep. They are they buy monitors that are um, uh, unfocused, that have uh, they are blurry. Blurry. Yes. They have they have uh, bad matrices, so the. Uh, uh, brightness and the contrast is awful. And usually uh, also uh, paired with uh, the uh, you know, habit of people of using way too many blue colors on their screens, the which, white... has, which has significant impact on your eyes, by the way. And then when people are upgrading the desktops, sometimes they forget then that they can switch the uh, connector to the monitor. So I know a lot of people who are still running uh, VGA connectors and the, yeah. the VGA, VGA does not have enough bandwidth. So the image is blurry yep. and they don't understand, but that just by using an, another connector is going to be seven euros or something. They can drastically improve the uh, mm-hmm. image. Sometimes changing the wallpaper might be helpful as well, especially in that scenario. Yes. Because usually in VGA, you have smaller resolution. When you go to 4K, all of a sudden the wallpaper is so blurry. Yes. And the, like the, the thing is that the thing is that uh, the monitors are one of the biggest selling points because I cannot upgrade the monitor on my uh, laptop. Even if the laptop is, uh, is uh, ama- it has an amazing monitor like this one, I still want a bigger one. I yeah, want to be monitor because I need also I need multiple monitors. Yes, and this is much more complicated than on a laptop. It is. It's doable, but it's complicated. And uh, uh, especially when it comes to something like an Apple, yeah. Beca- because the uh, upgradeability of the Apple is possible, but this is the cheapest one, and this, this one is monitor the only. I bought it. And but this is one monitor only. But the other thing is that if I want to buy anything for this, I need to invest more than this uh, laptop is worth. Yeah. Yeah, and this is, this is this is simply this is simply something that is just completely out of any normal uh, normal thing. Okay. The other thing is that uh, the replacement parts for the desktops are cheap and available. And available. If you want to buy a, no, a new keyboard, if you spill something on the keyboard, yep, nothing is lost. You just yep. buy another keyboard. Yep. If you buy a decent keyboard, it's going to be spill-proof. To the, yep. uh, nowadays, if you want a decent mouse, 
they're available from I don't know, probably couple three, of, three yeah. couple of euros up to uh, hundreds of euros or euros. Yep. If you want to uh, have a motherboard, you have probably available something starts with something under 100 euros up to 600 euros. Yeah, I was just looking at it, even below 100 euros, motherboards are available. So the processors, there are probably hundreds of uh, different available types models, right now, yes. uh, especially because you can go uh, to the secondary market and you can buy an old workstation and get much more for your money than you would expect to, uh, to have. Mm-hmm. And th- one of the things that happened is that in the last, I would call it five or six years, the uh, performance difference between different computers uh, has been shrinking. Yes. And you can buy a perfectly workable workstation that is seven years old, that is going to be not as quick as the mid-range computer right now, but much, 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 much more usable when it comes to everything, because it's going to have much better power supply, it's going to have much uh, much better case, much better cooling, it's going to be uh, quiet. It's going Especially to be if you buy a workstation, which sometimes means workstation graphic cards yes. as well, which can be a big plus. If you're not playing yeah, uh, and you want stable, uh, high resolution image, you can buy a Tesla or something like this. Quadro, uh, quadro, not Tesla. Quadro, not Tesla. So, but you can buy an NVIDIA uh, workstation class uh, video cards, and you're going to get amazing uh, amount quality. of uh, amazing amount of uh, back for your price. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, do you have? So, both of us in the past couple of years, we switch computers to newer ones. You did it actually twice. You, yes. you have AMD and Intel. And for, for the first time in, I don't know how many years, I actually, I do know since uh, first time since my X58, which I still have that, that yes. one, which is 14 years old, 14 okay. years old. For the first time after that, I actually assembled a new desktop, which is Z790 based. If I uh, went on the market today, and wanted to buy a computer for me. And I'm not now going into super, you know, outlier use cases. Okay. I would still go with that one. I was very happy with me too. everything me too. that works. Uh, recent problems that AMD had with chipsets, with biases, with memory, with uh, some of the CPU problems that they have, 3DV cache problems, whatnot, just kind of reiterated the importance of being a little bit more, let's say, forward thinking and backwards looking in terms of uh, the technology that I use. I was semi smart enough to buy 64 gigabytes of memory out of the box for it works very well. I just uh, added six terabytes of SSDs to it on the Asus uh, PCI Express card. And I would still buy that if I needed a high end PC, no matter what. To that point, if I wanted to go some kind of a mid-range, I would go with uh, the same premise, just different CPU, in the same way in which we assembled the computer for our colleague a couple of months ago. Yes. So 13,400, something like that. Yes, I think, yes. It was, I think, 13,400 model of CPU, 64 gigs of memory, a little bit cheaper gigabyte board, because Z790 boards can nowadays be had for uh, less than 200 euros new still a lot of money. If you needed to go a little bit lower than that, then there are quite a few 
available uh, chipsets below that H670B670 and whatnot. Those motherboards are way, way, way cheaper. But if you want to go even, even, even below, uh, you can run uh, right now buy a small, um, a small form factor cases that are completely, uh, usually completely uh, functional PCs based on N100, N95. So the slowest chips that uh, Intel has. Mm -hmm. And they're something like 140 euros, 150 euros uh, in a case with the processor, with some amount of uh, memory and with some amount of SSD. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the only thing that I wanted just to mention was that the uh, a possibility to upgrade the disks is one of those things that I uh, really like about the desktop. Me too. Uh, not simply because I can upgrade the disk uh, themselves, because that was all, always the case. But the idea of being able to put in multiple NVMEs, mm -hmm. because uh, for most usage cases, the half terabyte of NVMe is more than enough. Mm -hmm. uh, okay, you can even tell that uh, usually normal users are going to be uh, quite satisfied with 256 uh, gigabytes. But if you need more, almost uh, the entirety of the motherboard uh, uh, available today are, ab are able to uh, accommodate more than one yeah. NVMe. Even if that's not the case, you can buy a, a separate card that's going to enable it to, uh, to connect to NVMe for, I don't know, 20 years or so. Mm -hmm. So you can have what would be considered crazy, uh, crazy uh, fast uh, storage, disk, system, storage yeah. mm -hmm. for what would be marginally marginally expensive than buying an old desk? But uh, actually, the reason why I mentioned that we assembled basically three PCs in the past less than two years is uh, something else. And this is not for dissing. This is rational discussion. What is the AMD's value proposition now? You are much more in tune with that because you actually have a couple of those systems, uh, both at home and in uh, some of the clients' offices that you're using. I honestly don't know. I honestly don't know right now because I think that in this particular moment in time, uh, Intel is winning. Having said that, I want to see what is going to happen next because AMD made a breakthrough with the Series 3 uh, chips. Mm -hmm. And the Ryzen's and the uh, uh, Threadrippers that uh, were done in the, uh, in the Series 3 were something that was... Uh, basically a big breakthrough when it comes to new technology. Mm -hmm. And right now, I don't know if AMD is holding back and waiting to see what is going to happen with Intel, because right now what Intel did with the 14th generation of the, uh, the yeah, Pentium, they shouldn't have done that. It's, this was a completely, completely, completely uh, unnecessary. Wrong. It was unnecessary and it was wrong mm -hmm. because what it did is that it showed a lot of people uh, okay, it may be that it's it's wrong, but it showed a lot of people that right now Intel doesn't have anything to show. They said, okay, this is going to be a small upgrade because we are just changing the uh, process, but the performance-wise and price-wise, nobody got anything out of the new generation. Uh, now I want to see what is going to happen with AMD because what AMD was doing for the last couple of years they had they have essentially been doing the same thing as intel mm -hmm. they're just slowly upgrading the the chips they're calling them the new version so version 5 version 7 but version 7 and version 3 are more or less uh, quite like each other 
And AMD is, I'm expecting them to uh, show something that's going to be different. And Especially, expect the same from Intel, even more so. Yes, and then Intel uh, came, came out with the idea of that they are not going to compete with the ARM because the ARM is not going to be the thing to have. <laughs> and this is, this is one of those things because AMD wasn't committed to anything and they are not committed to anything uh, right now. They weren't committed to uh, when, they, when somebody was uh, when the, uh, the people were asking what's going to come next. They didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. They waited for Intel to show their hands. Right now, the hands that Intel has shown has been weak. And either Intel is waiting for AMD, so they have something prepared. It's going to be completely different architecture. Mm -hmm. they, or I know that they're working on something. Yeah, yes, they, they are working on something. because Chiplet-based and with cache integrated, there were quite a few rumors already out there. But the, the thing is that right now, this is going to be probably, the next year is going to be the year of the complete cutoff of all the old, old technologies. Reckoning a little bit. Uh, yes, I think that what go what's going to happen is that we are going to have to scrap all the other all, all the motherboards, all the memory things, and all the okay, the memory maybe not. Yeah. DDR5 Five is going is to going be to is stay. going to be okay, but the motherboards, the chipsets, the uh, architectures, the kernels for all the operating systems are going to be scrapped because they are going to be needing to do something like what uh, Apple did with the ARM. So they're going to start anew. Hmm. Interesting. And so. Right now, I don't see any reason why to buy AMD over Intel. Intel 13th generation is probably the best buy right now. I'm quite surprised that you're saying that, by the way. No, I'm, I'm, I'm just considering it a tool. And right now, I don't see any price difference and any performance difference between uh, the latest generation of the AMD. For vast majority of the users. For vast majority yeah. of the okay, user. I get okay, it. Okay, if we are dealing with Threadripper Pros yeah. and we are dealing with this kind of users, so workstation yeah. users, this then is it's, where it's AMD, AMD is going to uh, tramp over Intel uh, every time. Yeah. But then we are not talking about user um, uh, user based, uh, sorry, uh, user centric CPUs because we are talking about CPUs that are going to cost 3000 euros plus. Mm -hmm. And this is not something that, uh, that the user yeah, yeah. would buy. This is a workstation class. Uh, and then when it comes to workstation class uh, PCs, suddenly Intel has nothing to show. Yeah. And when it comes to servers, Epics are right now pretty good, mm -hmm. uh, especially if you need a uh, high, high, high core count and if you need a stable platform. Uh, Epic a lot has of PCI Express lanes. Epic has its own merits uh, on that and you can buy pretty decent, pretty cheap servers that are able to do amazing amount of work uh, in a single server. Mm -hmm. um, and they are not going to cost you an uh, arm and leg. And this is where Intel is lagging behind. But when it comes to uh, the desktops, right now, ARM when it comes to laptops, uh, Intel when it comes to desktops. Okay. When it comes to workstations, AMD. When it comes to servers, probably AMD. Uh, it could be that uh, Intel has some uh, outliers that are uh, specific for your usage case. For example, if you're trying to uh, create a um, uh, VMware uh, environment, I probably wouldn't go for the Epic, just simply because of the higher core count. Licenses. Licenses. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I would get I would get much better, uh, my much better performance uh, experience when it comes to uh, newer Intel Xeons, Platinum versions and uh, mm -hmm. the gold, the, versions, the, the gold versions, because I would get probably the higher bandwidth uh, when, it, when it comes to memory, 
and the license uh, itself is going to eat the difference in the in the in, in the price of the server. And it's better have to do, have two servers than one. Yes, that's exactly the, the correct design decision. Yes, I agree with you completely. Yes, so so okay. when it comes to different things, it basically depends on what you're trying to do. Okay, that's perfectly reasonable. I think we're done. I think we've 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 done a very long episode about this. Very happy with the discussion that we had. Do you have anything to add, or are we wrapping it up? Let's wrap it up. Okay. So thank you for being with us yet again. Uh, this was another episode of that IT Show podcast. This time we talked about desktops and their merits and their use cases. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Until then, he's been Yasmin. I've been Vedran, and bye bye. Bye.